Melissa, you want to hear a joke? So these three guys are sitting in a bar, and it's an American and a Brit and an Irishman, and they're sitting right next to each other at a bar. Can you picture it in your head? And in walks like uh, you know, like pigpen, like flies everywhere, and a fly goes into each of these guys' drinks. Okay, so they're lined up at the bar. They've each got a beer in front of them. The fly lands in each one. I can tell by the look on your face that you are with me. And the American isn't no big deal. He just like dips his finger into the pint glass and gets the fly and shakes it off and goes on drinking. But the Brit is outraged. He's like, bartender, I demand redress for this grievous lapse in cleanliness and standards. This is unacceptable. And he goes on in that vein for quite a while. Well, the Irishman, the Irishman's towering, thundering rage makes the Brits, like, upset, look like a flickering candle next to this inferno of rage. And the Irishman reaches into the glass with both hands and grabs the fly by each tiny wing and turns it upside down and shakes it over the glass and screams, SPIT IT OUT! SPIT IT OUT! Good morning. Welcome to Velocity LSAT. LSAT Kung Fu. I'm Dave Hall. This is Melissa Miller. And we are here to talk very seriously and soberly about Prep Test 29, Section 1. And today we're doing questions 21, 22, and 23. How are you doing, Melissa? Well, it was fine until I had to hear that joke. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> I'm that. I'm sorry. It's a good joke. All right. So question 21. Uh, what's the question asking? I'm supposed to figure out which of A through E is true based on the information above. Do you remember what kind of question that is? A direct one. It is. <laughs> I don't remember. It's a direct question. We've referred to this in the past as an inference question. Inference. Mm -hmm. And again, it doesn't really matter so much that you have a name for it as much as it does that you understand kind of immediately what the question wants for you to do. And you really did describe that. The idea is that we look at it and we say, I know that this question wants me to find something that is proved by the passage. Can I just say, I just want to interject really quick. Yes, please. Um, <clears throat> I think it's important for anyone listening to understand that we do this once a week. We sit down and do this once a week. And mm -hmm. I think if you're going to actually prepare for the LSAT in a meaningful way, you should probably touch these materials <laughs> So do, Daily. So you're saying do say, more than three questions say, a week? Do more than three questions a week. I swear to God, that's next week, if there's an inference question, I will remember the name. No, but that's cemented. The, that's the good advice that the people came for. Yeah. More than three questions a week. We, done. We can shut this down. <laughs> we are winners. All right. So. All right. So this is, yeah, what we'd call an inference question. And it is going to involve something that we can prove is true. And then we've got this long ass horrible passage. So um, we'll take a minute and read it. So, first, I think it's important. Let's talk about our feelings. I, I certainly have strong feelings after reading this passage. Mm. Uh, those feelings range from kind of disgust to fierce anger and also some shame, maybe, some embarrassment, not being able to... What I'm trying to say, there's a lot going on in this passage. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, totally candidly, it makes a lot of sense if you read through this passage once. And you have no idea what the fuck is going on. So there's a lot of words. 
It's dense. I think it is intentionally obfuscatory. Mm. It's absolutely a word. Don't don't challenge me, please. What's happening in this passage? I don't know. It's like we're like it's safe. The government says it's safe, and then it's like it, it just completely contradicts itself halfway through, and I don't like it. And I've had my coffee. Yeah. It seems unfair. Yeah. So, you know, if you're feeling this way and I'm feeling this way, then the problem might not be with us. It might actually be with the passage. Mm. And, uh, and in fact, it is. So we'll, we'll take the passage apart. But actually, before I even do that, I just want to say that I think that was pretty much the perfect encapsulation of what's going on in this passage, what you just said. Because it starts by saying the government claims that the nuclear power plants are entirely safe, right? They're entirely safe. So let's hold that idea in our head. Mm-hmm. And yet they also just um, limited the nuclear industry's liability. And they say they did that because why? Well, it's justified by the need to protect the industry from the threat of bankruptcy. So they limited their liability so they won't go bankrupt if they're sued. Why would they be sued? It's so safe. Right. And we go even farther than that because we say even the government says that unlimited liability poses a threat only if injury claims can be sustained. And the government admits that in order to sustain an injury claim, you would actually have to have injury. So, okay, the nuclear power plants are totally safe, but we are going to limit Power plant liability. And power plant liability is only a problem if you can actually see there has been an injury. What can we prove? Uh, I don't know. We can prove that they don't, they're don't. they all over the place. I mean, is <laughs> I know. I 100% agree with you. And, and this is the thing. Much like the Karate Kid or, or more recently Moana, the answer was inside you all along. I wish we had swelling orchestral scores for moments like these. You could edit that into the podcast. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. But the point is that I want you answering the question before you ever dream of looking at answer choices precisely because you know what the answer is. You know it, and you've just proved it. The thing that we can prove based on this passage is that the government is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I want to notice about, what, one thing I want to make note of about what you just said is that can we prove that the government is lying when they say the plants are safe? No. No. I mean, maybe the power plants are safe. Could we prove that the government's lying when they say they need to limit their liability? No, we can't prove anything. Yeah, we don't know. But but one thing we do know is that they can't be telling the truth in both instances. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can't be the case that they are perfectly safe and at the same time there is a real risk of injury. And that doesn't mean that it's unsafe, you know? I mean, it might be, and that's what we would normally think, right? That the the government's lying, the plants aren't really safe. And that really might be true. But then again, it might be instead that the plants are, they are totally safe. And the government's just mistaken about whether or not they need to reduce liability. And I say all of that because you've got answer choice A. We've been asked here what we can prove. And answer choice A says the government's claim about the safety is false. And that seems natural, right? But we just can't prove it. Yeah. 
On the other hand, you got to answer choice B. The government's position on these plants is inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what you said from the beginning. And it makes the point that I'm trying so desperately to make that uh, your job is to answer questions. These are questions that have actual answers. It's not a matter of choosing among five options and some of them are sort of good and some of them are sort of bad and you're supposed to somehow blindly choose the least bad of them. It isn't that at all. It is questions that have actual answers and you can supply them just based on the text. And just for completeness sake, see the government misrepresented its reasons for acting to limit liability. That is the flip side, right? I mean, they said that it's safe and they also said they need to limit liability because it you know, when they're going to keep them from bankruptcy. Maybe they're lying about the safety. Maybe they're lying about the reasons they're limiting liability. Maybe they're lying about both things. But we can't prove what they're lying about. All we can prove is that they're saying two things that are incompatible. So it makes perfect sense that we get both answer choice A, they're lying about safety, and answer choice C, they're lying about the liability. Clear? Mm-hmm. Uh, D, unlimited financial liability in the case of nuclear accidents poses no threat to the financial security of the nations. What on earth does that even... I mean, unlimited... That's the opposite of what the government claimed, right? Why would they even say that as an answer choice? That doesn't make any damn sense. I guess it's another way of trying to trick you into thinking that the government is lying. I don't possibly begin to know where (laughs) the writers are coming from. Me neither. All right, well... We can't prove it. That's the big thing. And it's choice E, the only serious threat posed by a nuclear accident would be to the financial security of the nuclear industry. Really? <laughs> I don't even know. I th- and I think if it were test day and I read that answer choice, I probably wouldn't actually laugh out loud at its absurdity because on test day, you're so like into the material. But really, really, the only threat is... Maybe they were just trying to... Lighten the mood? Yeah. Guys, yeah. don't stress so much. Yeah, maybe. All right. Anyway, so that's question 21. Vente dos. Moving right along. Ooh. Por cierto. Which of the following principles of value? This is question 22. I'm sorry. For the non-Spanish speakers, this is question 22. Mm-hmm. The principle that if valid most helps justify the editorial's argumentation. Do you remember what kind of question we called this? This an no. Wait, you know, uh, if this, then this question. I don't remember what that's called, though. We called it sufficient assumptions. Yeah, thank you. If this answer choice is true, then the conclusion will be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, our conclusion, we, which we never really got into because we were so concerned. Oh, and actually, let's make a little point of that. Um, in answering the first question about this passage, we weren't concerned with any conclusion that had been drawn because we were concerned with what we could prove on the basis of the passage. Now, all of a sudden, we are shifting gears and it matters what the arguer is trying to prove because we've been asked to help her make her case. And here, um, what is the conclusion of the argument? It's, I think that the conclusion is that we should be concerned about nuclear power. Yeah. Yeah, the, the last sentence, the public's fear, therefore, and that's a significant marker of a conclusion, public's fear is well-founded. That is to say, nuclear power plants are not safe. So we need an answer that's going to definitely drive home the fact that they're not safe. Yeah. And what we know about the government is that they have said that they were safe, but they have proposed action 
to uh, you know kind of limit the 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 danger, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and again, we can foresee the kind of answer that we could get as a as a right answer choice. We're trying to prove that they are not safe mm-hmm. on the basis that the government has said they were safe and yet acted like they weren't safe. The most straightforward way of proving that is to simply say, watch what they do, not what they say. You know? Mm-hmm. So I mean, something that would say, disregard what the government says, focus instead on what action the government takes. And so I'd expect it, you know, and if we wanted to try to formulate that in an LSAT kind of answer choice. I'd expect something that says something along the lines of the government would take action to limit liability only in the event that there was a real threat. Mm-hmm. Right? Something like that. Yes. All right. Yeah. Does that make total sense to you? Mm-hmm. All right. For once, something does. Yes. A. I'm going with A. Just kidding. <laughs> a, if the government claims that something's unsafe. And right here, um, we can just stop. Like, there's nothing that this could go on to say that would help us prove any case here because the government has not claimed that anything is unsafe. Mm-hmm. So we just, what, it literally doesn't matter what else they say. It couldn't possibly help in this instance. Does that make total sense to you? Yes. All right. Answer choice B, then, fear that a certain kind of event will occur. Um, I'll hold on to this at the beginning because, you know, the whole conclusion was that the people's fear is well-founded, their fear of nuclear uh, catastrophe. Fear is well-founded if those who have control over the occurrence of events of that kind, I'm not sure what to make of this now because I'm not sure who has control over the occurrence of events of that kind. Would we, would we be talking about the government now or are we talking about power plant operators I'll finish reading it. If it's the fear is well-founded if those who have control over the events stand to benefit financially from such an occurrence. Well, what does that even describe? That has nothing to do with what we've just read. Ain't nobody in this passage talking about benefiting financially. I mean, the only financial element of the discussion was the move by the government to keep them from going bankrupt. And I think it's a far cry from not being bankrupt to benefiting financially. And that's setting aside the whole question of who it is that we're talking about when we say the people that have control over the nuclear events. You with me? Mm-hmm. Okay. See, if a potentially dangerous thing is safe only because of the financial security of those responsible for its operation, depends on its being safe. <laughs> okay, so if... If nuclear power is safe, only if their financial security depends on it being safe. <sighs> I don't know that if a, I don't know that this applies because I don't know <clears throat> with the government's attempt to limit their liability. I don't know that their financial security really does depend on it being safe. You know, it sounds like it could be unsafe, but the government has limited their liability in such a way that they can maintain financial stability even if there is an accident. Anyway. It goes on to say, if this potentially dangerous thing is safe only because their financial security depends on it being safe, then eliminating dependence is not in the best interest of the public. And here's where we can really check out. Even if you weren't sure about that first 
egregious clause. This second part, eliminating the dependence is not in the best interest of the public. Who cares? This is not an argument about what is or is not in the best interest of the public. This is an argument about what is or is not safe, whether the public's fear is well-founded. Mm -hmm. All right. D. The government sometimes makes unsupported claims about what situations will arise. Okay, this is tracking with what we expected from the passage so far. The government lies to us. They say things are safe when they aren't. But it does not act to prevent a certain kind of situation from arising unless there is a real danger that such a situation will arise. And you're nodding your head mm -hmm. silently, which is excellent for radio. Yeah. But that's exactly it, is that if D is true, then our whole argument coheres because the government is proposing action and they wouldn't act with, without a real threat. So there must be a real threat. So the public's fear is well-founded. Okay. All right. And just to get rid of it, E, if a real financial threat to a major industry exists, and that tracks with the passage, you know, I mean, we could say if this threat is real, well, then what? Then government action to limit that threat is justified. This would help to prove the government's position if we knew that the threat was real. But thing A, we don't know that the threat is real. Thing B, we are not trying to prove that the government should help. We are trying to prove that the, that the public's fear is well-founded. Okay. So keeping your eye on... never lose sight of that over and over. Yes. When you go to each group, because you can just get bogged down in, in it, so... Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. All right, so that was 22. Um, anything else to say about 22? Nope. I don't ever want to come across this, these questions again, but it's less intimidating when we go through it. Yeah. But on that first read, I thought, well, this isn't for me. <laughs> I quit. Yeah, yeah. I, I also felt that way. All right. So ready to move on to 23? Yes. Okay. Um, do you know what kind of question 23 is? Um. It's parallel logic or something. Yeah, we, we just call it parallel. Uh -huh. Call it a parallel question. And the fact that it's asked for parallel flawed reasoning just doesn't mean anything. Like, it, it doesn't make any difference in our approach, whether it specifically says the reasoning is flawed or it doesn't specifically say that the reasoning is flawed. In this case, um, well, we know that it's flawed. They've, they've told us that. Let's take a minute and read the passage. All right, so what's happening in this passage? It's, it's nonsense. It reminds me of Facebook. It reminds me of Facebook. Oh, yeah. Like an argument. Yeah. Where, you know, is I don't it... know what Trump did, but this is someone's rationale for sure. thinking it's okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so let's lay it out. As a scientist, she knows that no scientist appreciates poetry. By the way... Um, no, I don't even know what I'm going to say Wait, anything about she that. Just, but she's saying just because she's a scientist, right. new scientist. I was going to pause and talk herself. about that, yeah. So she's not even saying, she's, she's pulled the room. Right. Okay. No, just her. Yep. Uh, she knows that no scientist appreciates poetry, and so that's, that's fact one. And actually, it's, a, it's kind of a twofer, but that twofer doesn't matter. Uh, real quick, as we look at answer choices, Ralph says that as an expert in biology, Franz says that as a father of four children, Yuri says as a wine connoisseur, she says as an experienced photographer, Betty says as a corporate executive. So that part we get to set aside because okay. every single answer choice. And we wouldn't know that going in. I wouldn't expect you to check for it going in. I'm 
just pointing it out because I happen to see it. Uh, and that lets us streamline our discussion. So she says, as a scientist, no scientist enjoys poetry. So that's thing one. No scientist enjoys poetry. Okay. And we're so we're going to have to mirror that broad claim. And just as a teaching example, it might make sense to go through these answer choices and get rid of any that don't start right. You know, Linda has said that no scientist appreciates poetry. Uh, Ralph says no marsupial lays eggs. Good start, Ralph. Same structure. Franz says no father wants children to eat candy at bedtime. Excellent start, Franz. Yuri says no wine aged in metal containers is equal in quality to the best wine aged in oak. And here's something different, right? Here we're making some kind of comparison that we just didn't have. Uh, in order for C to be correct, we would have had to have Linda saying something like, no scientist likes poetry as much as that scientist likes reality TV. Yeah. You know, something like that. So C we can get rid of. D, G said, yes. Let me stop doing I would like a moment to do this. So D would be the same kind of thing, right? Because we're talking about color versus black and white. Yeah. So it's, again, a comparison. So we're going to get rid of D. Yeah. And E works. No corporate executives like to pay taxes. So the same, same thing. thing. So we got Nobody poetry. likes poetry. No scientists like poetry. No corporate execs like taxes. So we've gotten rid of C and D on that basis alone. Okay. All right. And now go back to Linda. And, oh, actually, I do want to pause real quick because this is a question that is going to take us so much time to unpack and talk about, and we're going to have to repeat ourselves over and over to drive this idea home for people who are listening while they're driving or whatever. And yet, if we could just, like, show you visually, it could be so, so fast because it's the kind of thing that gives us a um, diagrammable conditional structure that you can write down symbolically and look at and just see and not have to think about. And it is so important to make that point here where we're talking in a purely aural medium because it is going to be so much harder doing it this way than it would be doing it visually. All right. Second thing Linda says, since most scientists are logical, some of the people who like poetry are not logical. And whether or not we really understand the implications of what she's saying doesn't matter. What matters is that the right answer is going to have those same implications, you know. So most of our group has this characteristic. So the people who like the thing that our group didn't like don't have that characteristic. Most of our scientists are logical. The people who like poetry are illogical. This might make more sense if we apply it actually to what A says. Mm -hmm. okay. So the first part of A we established was good. Ralph says no marsupial lays eggs. Uh, Linda, our original, said that no scientist appreciates poetry. Excellent, perfect, good start. Then Linda goes on to say most scientists are logical. So we want Ralph to say most marsupials do something. And he does. he does. He says, most marsupials are native to Australia. Ralph is continuing strong. This could be our answer. Yeah. Scientists don't like poetry. Most scientists are logical. Marsupials don't lay eggs. Most marsupials are native. 
Then Linda goes on to say, some people who like poetry are not logical. The negative. The, or inverse. Of That's it, right. right. So. Mm-hmm. so for it to be the right answer, Ralph now needs to say, first of all, he said, marsupials don't lay eggs. Secondly, he said, most marsupials are native. Next, he needs to say, therefore, some of the things that are not native do lay eggs. Yeah. And he's saying native again. And what he says instead is some of the animals that are native. Mm-hmm. And that would be if, like if Linda said, most scientists are logical. Therefore, some of the people that like poetry are logical. Mm-hmm. But, I gotcha now. Okay. Yeah. So, Ralph, close, but no cigar. All right. Answer choice B, and we'll just go through it in that same way. Franz got off to a good start. Linda yeah. said that scientists don't like poetry. Franz said that fathers don't like their kids to eat candy. Linda said most scientists are logical. Franz says most fathers are adults. Okay. Great. And in order for uh, Franz to be our answer... He needs to finish in the same way that Linda did. And she said, most scientists are logical, so some illogical people like poetry. So when Franz said, most fathers are adults, he needs to say, some non-adults want children to eat candy. Uh, Since most fathers are adults, some of the people who want children to eat candy are children. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Just like Linda, point by point, uh, scientists don't like poetry, Fathers don't want their children to eat candy. Some, most scientists, I'm sorry, not some, most scientists are logical. Most fathers are adults. Therefore, some illogical people like poetry. Franz, some non-adult people, some children, want kids to eat candy. Okay. And then we got rid of C and D. And then answer choice E. Uh, what was going to say that I think that... Yeah. Uh, Talk me through it. Well, it was like what you said. You said um, when you said most scientists are logical, and then you gave that fake finish where it said at least some of the people who appreciate poetry are logical too. Mm -hmm. So that's what E is doing, but it's not the opposite. So they're saying they're honest, and some people who like to pay taxes are honest. It would have to be dishonest, right? Yeah. So if you're following the train of. Yeah, and again, yes, said. Yeah, that's correct, and we can like reiterate eloquence. maybe that uh, that when Betty says no corporate execs like to pay taxes, she is right on. Most execs are honest, continues perfectly, and then she needs to say, therefore, some dishonest people like taxes. Instead, she says some people who like taxes are honest. That's exactly what I said, but mine was a little more clear for. Being honest, and since nobody in the room is arguing with me, I guess I'm right. All right. Anything else to say about these questions? No. Thanks. See you guys (laughs) next week. Bye-bye. You excited for next week? Absolutely. It's a two-question section. That's right. We could two questions on the next page. An extra... Ooh, what's this? No. (laughs) No, thank you.